Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Paul West Sales, who's the CEO of Western Copper and Gold. They are a TSX-listed company with assets in the Yukon. Their casino project is vast. 4.5 million ounces of gold and 6.2 billion pounds of copper. Uh, the size is the opportunity. It is also probably the problem. Uh, not too many people are going to be able to afford two billion capex to get this thing going. NPV eight of about three billion uh, suggests that there is opportunity if the right partners come along. This company's 180 million market cap is going to struggle to raise that kind of capital itself. So we discuss the options available to them in terms of downsizing the scale of this project and showing a route to market why chasing high-grade gold is probably high on their agenda with the drill bit this year, and they're going to probably need to raise some money soon to get this second feasibility study completed. Lots of other topics discussed, so please enjoy the podcast. Paul, how are you doing, sir? Very, very good. Well, thanks for joining us, and it's early there. Still dark uh, outside? Well, not that early. 7, 7.20. There's still there's sunlight outside. So Is there okay. sunlight outside? It looks quite dark. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, okay. Little Looking forward to it. Hey, well, like, um, thanks for joining me. How, so how are things? You're in Vancouver? I'm in Vancouver, yeah. But you've been up to site last week, you were, you were telling me. So how are things up there? Yeah, no, it was exciting. My first business trip, uh, you know, it was it was surprisingly the plane was quite full, uh, both on the way up and the way back. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of mining uh, people going back and forth. A lot of exploration people going back and forth. But I'll be honest, a lot of people wanting to, to get out of the Yukon. It's a pretty small place and come down to Vancouver, I think, and uh, and, and have a little fun. But um, yeah, uh, it's it's uh, sites going well. We've had a drilling program this year. Uh, three drills up there turning. It's going well. I was actually up there uh, filming a, a virtual tour of the site. Oh my goodness! You're gonna have to tell us about that in a second. Well, it sounds like you're about to do it anyway. But why don't you kick off and give people that one minute overview of the business, then we'll pick it up from there. Sure. I mean, so I mean, Western Copper and Gold has one asset: the Casino Copper Gold project, located up in the Yukon Territory. Um, we've been developing this for about 12 years now. Uh, it is a large copper gold porphyry. Uh, we just announced a new resource, uh, which is uh, 2.4 billion tons in uh, a measured indicated resource and one and a half billion tons in inferred, so you know, large copper gold porphyry. Uh, we have a feasibility study that we issued in 2013 showing very, very good economics. Uh, we ran the economics at spots, I think, uh, a couple weeks ago. 30% plus IRR, 3 billion plus uh, net present value. So very strong project, uh, very big project. It's a very big project. It's a huge project, and that's the opportunity. It's also probably therein lies the problem. So I'd like you to tell me today um, a little bit about the business plan you know what did you set out to try and build because this thing is huge by anyone's standards this thing is huge and people employ different types of business models uh to you know you know move the company forward i want to understand yours and wonder you know at what point you stop building this thing out in terms of creating a large behemoth of a company and actually start monetizing it so i don't know if you can sort of kick off and tell us what you set out to achieve yeah so i mean let, let's go back to the beginning, obviously. Uh, so, I mean, 2006, Western Copper and Gold spun out of Western Silver. 
and Western Silver developed an Esquito asset and sold out to Glamis Gold, which was then bought by Gold Corp, which now is part of Newmont, for $1.6 billion. So uh, Dale Corman, our chairman, um, a few other people in the company, I wasn't actually part of Western Silver. Uh, obviously, everyone made a lot of money off of that. And what they did there is they took a project uh, which had some drilling. They finished drilling it out, feasibility study, they got it permitted, and then they sold it to a major. And this is a <clears throat> reasonably common junior mining company sort of progress. So when we kicked off, that was the business plan, was to finish the feasibility study, get it permitted, and, and look, you know, and look during that time for opportunities to, you know, reward our, our shareholders and, and investors that buy selling the company. Um, and that's still the business model, but I think it's changed a little bit, uh, particularly over the past sort of year and a half, because we've got a, a few new directors that really just really want to drive this project forward uh, and, and sort of see where we get. So I'd say the business model has changed a bit from before it was do this and sell. Now it's like, sure, we'll continue to look at opportunities to sell this project, um, but let's just drive it forward. Maybe look at bringing in a partner. Uh, maybe bringing in some equity as we move forward. Okay, but it's it's huge. I mean, it's fourteen point it five million ounces of gold. It's seven point six billion pounds of uh, of copper, all measured and indicated. There's going to be less and less people capable of stepping in to finance what is going to be a huge kind of equity debt program to be able to be able to get that stuff out of the ground. So you know. At what point do you stop and say, right, we need to we need to be having conversations, or are you having conversations now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been interesting. I mean, we've we've had conversations, I would say, for the past five years, uh, and and it's been really really interesting because uh, predominant the nub, you know, the the majority of those conversations have been with gold companies, and. I think that gold companies, like you said, I mean, 14 and a half million ounces of gold. I mean, the eyes bulge out when they see that and they get all excited and they start to look at it. And as you said, I mean, it's a high capital cost project. Uh, there are, and we'll hopefully get into this, there's perhaps some lower capital cost options, but the simple way to make money with this is to build, I mean, it's, you know, 2 billion plus tons, right? You don't go, you don't build a 20,000 ton a day mill. You got to, you got to build something of a fairly good size. So that does limit you. Uh, it limits you really to big gold companies. We're talking top two or top three and, and then copper. And I mean, for the copper world, for the copper guys, you know, multi-billion dollar projects are actually the bread and butter. They're the common projects. They're sort of what a copper project. This is what intrigues me. I, I want to understand those types of conversations that you want to have with these either large gold companies, large copper companies, or anyone else who wants to step into the breach, because that sort of capital, it's rarefied air. There's not too many people who could come up with that sum of money. That's not to say they, there aren't any. There, there are some, but there's very rarefied air. Why, which options would you prefer to look at? Because you indicated there that perhaps there's some you know, lower capex options available to you. So 
where where do you think you need to sit to be able to drive value? Because the, the share price has been sort of an extra gradual decline since 2017, since the beginning of 2017. You've seen a pop recently. People got interested again. So give, can you give people a sort of sense of where you think the value creation comes from? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the, the value creation is really going to come from, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Where, where you're going to create a lot of value, the thing that's exciting, I mean, at the end of the day, we have a project here that's got a $3 billion net present value. And, you know, today we've got a nominally $200 million market cap. So there's a huge disconnect. So how do you, you know, narrow that disconnect? And how you narrow that disconnect is for people to see a path towards that capital being raised. So there are two ways to do that. One is to create a project which has a lower capital, people say, oh, wow, you know, that's easy. Everyone raises that every day. Uh, and the other one is to bring in some partnerships so that you can start start to see, uh, you know, people with deep pockets involved in the project. Um, and so that really, I mean, and, and we're, we're pursuing both of those paths. I mean, we're, we're, we're certainly having lots of conversations and those conversations are, hey, get involved with the project, um, you know, take a look at it. You know, maybe we set up some joint venture sort of uh, project. Maybe it's just a small investment, and you guys are involved, and and you have sort of a you know a roper on the project, and at the right time you sort of pull the trigger on it. And there's a lot of those models out in the market right now, um, and those are the things that that we're looking at. Okay, but, but they're two very different paths. Okay, so I'm what I'm trying to get at is what do you think? Because you know that you're the guy who knows most about yeah. this, okay? Your partners are coming in. I'm sure they're doing due diligence. But on the larger ticket item, like $2 billion, those types of conversations, uh, there must be a handful of people that you can you can talk to about that. What's stopping them? Because you've got more than enough pounds in the ground. You've got more than enough answers in the ground. Is it because they don't know whether you're a gold company or a copper company? You know, that that's a very good point. It's a very astute observation. I mean, I've always said, you know, we've got, if you look at the projected revenue from this project, it's about half copper, half oil. And, like, it's really close. I mean, right now, there's actually a smidgen more gold than copper. Most of the time, uh, it, it's, it's more copper. If all of that was copper, I'd be talking to you here about a different company. If it was all gold, I'd be here talking to you about another company. I mean, that is sort of a pullback. And, and um, so, but that's a small pullback. The other thing is, and, and I can't emphasize this enough. I mean, people say, oh, well, you must be talking to this big copper company and this big copper company. And I can tell you that I am starting to talk to, to large copper companies now. And I can tell you that started mid, actually the end of last year. Because copper was in the doldrums for, for you know, a decade almost, you know, and your big copper company, your whole corporate development team, I mean, they're selling assets. They're selling parts of assets to raise capital to cover, you know, shortfalls in revenue and all those other things you're talking about closing down um, on mines. That was the mindset for a decade in the copper business. And then last year, you started to see copper get close to three. Then, of course, COVID hit. It pulled back, but then it actually bounced back quite quickly here. Um, back up to, you know, well, I think it actually touched $3 uh, last week for, for a moment and then sort of came back, right? So we're back into this good copper environment. The copper investors, you know, a 
finally sort of, you know, I mean, and the other thing is, and this is a thesis I, I talk about a lot, look around the world, look at, let's say a junior copper developer such as ourselves is, is basically the market for copper projects. I mean, there are, you know, back to that handful, there's a handful of, of majors that could potentially, uh, you know, take this and spend $2 billion. There's less than a handful of projects out there. No, I, I understand that. And I, and I know you've got to put your best foot forward. And, and I know, yep. looking at some of the numbers that you're using in the presentation, using $1,800 gold, using $3 copper, uh, you're, you're maximizing it. But the reality is a large, and it's great for retail because it, it looks good. The IRR looks good. 30% yep. lovely. Doing your job. But for the, the big guys, they're walking in, they're putting a 30, 40% discount on this, uh, and they're seeing if the number still stacks up. They don't need it to be over 20%. They don't need it to be over 30% if this goes through a few copper cycles, if it goes through a few uh, gold cycles, right? So th- th- I, think that's, I think that's fair enough. But coming back to the original question is, why aren't they pulling the trigger? Why have you not got a gold company over the line? Why have you not got a copper company over the line? Part of it is that timing particularly on the copper world. I mean, on the, on the gold world, on the gold world, I mean, it, it's, this is too big for the average gold company. I mean, when I say there's two or three, there's probably two. I mean, we know who they are. Um, the good news is one of them is literally right next door to us. Our claims touch their claims. So anyhow, we'll, we'll see where, where those conversations go. Um, so that's been part of it. It's been timing. And I think, I mean, you said you're an investment banker. You understand how all these things need to align to make these sort of deals work. And with a large asset like this, that's absolutely the case. Now, the other thing I talked about is potentially changing the project so that the initial capital is lower. And, you know, the impetus behind that is, I mean, it it is pretty simple that it increases your potential partners, potential acquirers, significantly if i can drop that initial capital cost it's going to be there's there's two ways that i can drop that initial capital cost first there's a heap leach right now which is part of the project the first part of the project but it's not standalone however we found some high-grade gold last year we're looking at you know we're drilling that out right now that's why i was asking you for the idea is that can we incorporate that into the heap leach so that heap leach becomes standalone Standalone heap leach. I mean, Victoria Gold just built a, a you know a similar sort of grade as I think we would end up with. Heap leach up in the Yukon cost of five hundred million dollars. They did it on their own. I mean, you have a, a world of opportunities on that. The other one is you just take the project as it is and you look at just a bit more staged development. As you pointed out, you don't need a thirty percent IRR. You've got a, a solid IRR, and you know it's a staged development and uh, you can get in there. It's going to be tough to get in there sub-billion, but let's say we can get it in for one one and change. I think that becomes a fairly attractive project. So those are two potential changes that we're looking when we update the feasibility study, which is next year. So, I mean, billion, that's still a big number. One billion dollars is still yep. a big number. Again, it, it increases the pool slightly, but not by much, okay? And so what's holding you back from starting with an even lower capex project is it the grade is that the problem or is it technically technically being able to separate gold from copper from molly and you know and be able to do that economically yeah i mean if you do a heap leach 500 million if you're looking at this sort of milling operation to you know produce a copper gold concentrate 
it's great. I mean, this this is a you know this is a lot. I mean, it's a large, low grade copper gold porphyry. If you look at the grade, it actually is higher grade than your typical BC copper gold mine. But um, you know, you look at all those mines. They're uh, thirty thousand tons per day is probably a small one. Highland Valley Copper operated by Tech. Uh, it's 120,000 tons per day, which is exactly what we're talking about. That's the $2.5 billion project. So, you know, do we go find a sweet spot in there, sort of 60,000 tons a day, start with that, and then, to be honest, five years after that, you probably expand, and then five years after that, you probably expand again. And that's sort of, you know, a staged sort of development, but it allow you to get in there for a billion and change. But, yeah, I mean, it's great. And then, you know, I and the other way we could potentially change that i mean we've got a great exploration potential uh we acquired this uh, land package right next to us uh canadian creek project uh it's got a lot of targets there you find a nice little high grade bed then you can certainly get in there for a lower cap no, no no more it's it's big enough it's big enough um <laughs> it's big enough but if i can get better grade everyone will be excited. that's that's true that's true paul yeah. um do you regret following the model to just build this up so big that it becomes unwieldy? Do you think there was a moment back in time when you sort of said, "Look, I tell you what, now let's just stop. Let's 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 focus on making this, you know, achievable. Something that you were in control of, rather than relying on another partner stepping in." Because at 180 million market cap, yeah, you know, you, you can raise so much money, right? Um, so you've got, you've, you personally, in terms of what you're in control of, have kind of limited your options. So you, you do need these, these conversations, these partners to step in and, and help uh, resolve your future, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'll be honest. The first, uh, the first resource that we announced was roughly a billion dollars. So, I mean, it, 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 sort of came, it sort of came as a big girl and then, then she just got bigger. Uh, so uh, there, there wasn't much we could do about that. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, and, and the world changed. I mean, you know, we developed this over 12 years. I mean, if you, it, I mean, think back 12 years ago, uh, you know, you had First Quantum announcing building Cobra Panama. You had, I mean, all those mines in Chile, Toromocho, Sierra Gorda, uh, you know, I, I could go on and on. These are all multi-billion dollar capital cost projects. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't like, oh, anything over a billion dollar can't be built. It was, it was, you know, these were dime a dozen, right? So that was part of the reason why we really, you know, developed this feasibility study optimized around IRR. Yeah, I mean, that's why I asked about it, because, you know, 12, 12 years ago, I, I agree with you, you know, when we were looking at projects, this was the model, build out the resource, pounds yeah. in the ground, that was the model. But I, I yeah. now actually call that old school. That's old school, because again, we're seeing more companies getting into early production to show a route to market, to show that um, the, the economics and the skill set of the management team um, to be able to get you know something up up and running because not many mines are built right so that that's that's a consideration here and that's why I asked you earlier do you wish there's a point in time where you said we should have put the flag in the sand and said right now now's the time to go yeah and and you know one of the points I made earlier is that uh, you know we've got we've got quite a, a new board uh, we brought on uh, Ken Williamson who's ex gold Corp we brought on uh, Michael Vuitton, who was you know, speaking of investment, well, I guess he, he was uh, equity sales for BMO, you know, he's about $20 billion 
he's a uh, you know a big big name in, in the industry and you know the the new board really is is along that line it's like look let's just go um, and we'll certainly look at at some better ways to raise equity but you know they're not scared of two billion dollars and I, I hear what you said like flavor of the month but like let's look I mean the copper market is a different market. It isn't gold where it's flavor of the month, right? I mean, the copper market, I mean, you know, $500 million copper mines are, are rounding errors, right? I mean, bring on the next wave of copper, which again, we've got a decade of, of underdevelopment after a number of years of overdevelopment, but now you're going to come back into this, this uh, period where you need to be bringing on significant copper development. And, and you need mines in different jurisdictions. You need mines, um, you know, that uh, are going to produce significant amounts of copper, and that's exactly what we have. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, should we have sold it in 2012? Sure, <laughs> when the market, everyone was copper crazy. Um, but you know, we we've added a lot of value along that. We have diluted our shareholdings significantly. Um, uh, I think we actually have a better project there. Okay, so talking about good districts, Yukon, very pro-mining, yep. lot the, the Yukon Alliance up there. Um, how are you doing with permits? So permitting, so, I mean, the story of permitting is that, uh, you know, we got, uh, we were moving the project forward through permitting, and then, I mean, really what happened is we had all these tailings down disasters. We had, you know, uh, in British Columbia, and issues in Brazil. So a whole bunch of concern on tailings facilities. So there was a sort of quiet period really that, that ended at the end of 2018 where, you know, you look at our news flow, well, geez, what did you do that time? Well, I'll tell you what we did. We sat down with the First Nations, we sat down with the regulators, and we spent a lot of time talking tailings uh, facilities and we went through this process uh, to really come to a consensus on that tailings facility. And um, so that's that was a key milestone. So that at the end of 2018, you know, we, we issued what was called the best available tailings technology milestone. And so at that point, it was sort of, it was let's get back into permitting. However, we said, okay, if we can get back into permitting, <clears throat> we need to update the feasibility study. If we're going to update the feasibility study, it's a little bit of drilling we need to do. So last year was the little bit of drilling. Um, and we actually had a couple of real pleasant surprises with that little bit of drilling. So now is a little bit more, little bit of drilling, um, and then it's feasibility study and back. And, and you think that's it? Yeah, that's that's all you need to do. You're not going to have any issues. Given it, I know it's pro mining, but have you had any conversations up in the Yukon which would lend you to believe that perhaps you're going to have to work a little bit harder than that? Oh, I mean, I think permitting any mine in Canada, the U.S., wherever, you know, these, these sort of first world jurisdictions is a lot of work. It is a lot of, I mean, and it's it's a big PR exercise. I mean, it is, it is you know, I mean, I, I tell people, uh, you know, when we were in the thick of permitting, I've had more moose stew than I ever thought I'd eat in my entire life. And that's what you need to do. You need to spend the time in the communities, and it's got to be me. You know, it's not like I can't just hire a consultant to go up there and, and uh talking to people, they're like, no, 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 I want to talk to the chief. It's a chief, chief sort of conversation that you have. Um, and uh, and it's a lot of work. But permitting comes down to one or two issues. And, you know, I can tell you what uh, our one or two issues are. 
it's the tailings facility, the tailings facility, and the tailings facility. That's, that's, I mean, people are like, yeah, yeah, sounds good. So we, you know, we're happy about the mines, we're happy about the revenue. You guys have done this right. We're concerned about the tailings facility. So that's why we stopped and spent that time. And you've got a solution. Yeah. I mean, and more, I mean, and there's lots of solutions. I mean, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting exercise because you get a team of really bright engineers together. And they say, you can do this and this and this and this. And, and it's like, that's fine. But you got to bring that solution into the community, into the area, talk to the people, make sure they understand it and get their buy-in. And that was sort of a key exercise that we've done. Okay. Management and board hold 12% of the shares. You've got a what's described as a private high net worth investors as 48%. I mean, is that, who, who is that? Do we, do we know any names there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't tell you the names because these are sub sub ten percent holders, so it's not public. Um, but yeah, I mean, so our shareholder base, so that twelve percent is is Dale and Mike. Um, so you know, Dale has I think seven of that. Uh, Mike has uh, you know, I guess four of that, and then you know, the rest of us have have one. Um, so they're the two big shareholders, and then that high net worth individual part. Really, I mean, there, there's a bunch of names in there, but there's probably a half dozen key names. And these are mostly people that uh, have followed Dale through his career, made a bunch of money off of Western Silver, as we talked about. Uh, these are, are high, either high net worth uh, individuals, or there's actually a fair number of sort of boutique brokers, and they manage a whole bunch of high net worth money, and they you know, squeeze in 1% of Western, and suddenly that's... Million okay. or five million shares, right? But, so. but, but all below the 10% level, so the, all the, below we, it, we yeah, don't, don't know who they are. Okay, but here, so let's get to the bit where I think, think potential issues are. So you've got 10% institutional, you've got 30% other, which I yep. assume is retail. So there's not a lot of free stock available. So how's liquidity? I mean, liquidity is, is not bad. I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, you've got, but I mean, if you look at that, you've got about 30 30 to 40% free float, right? Okay, so that's out there, more or less retail. Um, and so if you look at, I mean, the past couple of weeks, it's been, I mean, we've been trading a million shares a day over two. And I mean, the one thing to always look at is that we're, we're listed on the PSX, but we're also listed on the NYC American. And our trading on the NYC American is always significantly higher than our, our trading in Canada. Why? Um, I mean, I it didn't start. I mean, so I mean, we started as a TSX listed company. Uh, you know, we went down and, and, and initiated this listing on the uh, NYC American when we started. It was significantly less, but I mean, every discretionary dollar of, of investor relations money that we have, every discretionary dollar of marketing money we spend on U.S. retail. It's I mean, U.S. retail. There's a lot of it. They still invest in junior mining companies. Um, they're very, very good, uh, and and so we've slowly, slowly built up that base. But you've had a recent spike in the share price. Why? Why? What's happened there? What was the news? Because I haven't seen anything. I can't see anything. You've increased the resource, but it was already massive, so it can't have been that. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I mean, if you if you look at our share price, I mean, as I said, right now, you look at the the project described by the feasibility study, there's actually more revenue from gold. And and we move a little bit with gold, but we move with a whole lot of profit. A whole lot of profit. So, I mean, you had copper go down below $2. 
when COVID first hit. And then, as we said, hit three bucks, almost hit three bucks. If you take those two points, I bet you you have our stock low for the year and we have our stock high for the year. I mean, we really move with that copper price. That really, really drives things. And, and yeah, I mean, if you look at the last time that we, our share price was at this point, it was when copper was doing very, very well. Okay, you've got about 7 million bucks left, it says on the PowerPoint. Yep. Um, what are you going to do with it? So this year is our, our is, is the follow-up drilling campaign to last year. Um, and I, I should just, you know, really just quickly talk a little bit about that. Um, a couple really interesting things. I mean, and the most important thing for, you know, our conversation has been, what do you think about this $2 billion capital cost project? Last year, we hit, you know, 55 grams per ton gold over three meters. So here's a, a big low-grade deposit we hit, 50 grams per ton plus. I mean, pretty exciting. It was the third time we'd hit that high-grade gold. We put that together. We found a bit of a zone. Goal is to go in there this year and further delineate that and see if we can put that together as a resource. So, I mean, obviously that presents a very, very significant opportunity to do that standalone heat leak or maybe even a small mill significantly lowering that initial uh, capital cost. So key goal of, of the exploration program this year. And then the other one is is this this new uh, uh, project we got next to us, just sort of going over there and, and seeing what uh, really what we got. Uh, and so there's some untested targets that our geologists are pretty excited about. Um, but yeah, so that is about a three and a half million dollar program uh, this year. So that's three and a half of the seven. Um, we'll have a bit more um, money to spend on, on exploration activities next year. But really, going into next year, the goal is to get this updated piece together. So we're going to have to raise some more money between now and, let's say, mid-next year. But I mean, right now, you know, all eyes are on this exploration. So how much money do you think? Uh, I mean, an updated feasibility study, it's an update. So uh, it's, you know, let's say $3 million is really what, what we have there. Okay. Our GNA runs around two a year. So, I mean, this isn't big, big capital. And so what do you think the new feasibility study is going to tell us? Because you did one, was it 2010? Is that about right? 2013. 13, sorry, apologies. 2013. What new news is going to come out of this that the market should care about? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to look at, like I said, I mean, if we if we bring this high-grade gold in uh, or, or higher-grade gold in, we're going to say, you know, is, is we're going to really look at how can we stage the capital. And let's just say we're going to start with a blank sheet of paper on that. We're going to look at all of the potential ways we start with the keepers. We start with a lower throughput mill. We start, uh, you know, with, with, with a, a simpler infrastructure. We're going to look at all those sort of opportunities to reduce that initial capital cost, to make this something that, you know, I'll be honest, that we could do ourselves and people go, oh yeah, okay, I can see that happen. Okay. And, Okay, so that so that that'll be sort of towards the middle of next year. I'm just looking at the various graphs and the way the comparisons, and obviously, like I say, you've got to paint it the story in the best light possible. But what are you going to have to find with the drill bit to make this more exciting? Because I get the volume, but it's quite low grade, you know. So I can sort of see why people aren't excited at the prospect of this. Because the, the not only is the capex huge, but you know, cycles change both for copper and gold. And if we get a downturn, this thing will struggle a bit. So what do you need to find with the drill bit? What are you hoping for? Great, obviously. Um, you know, 
we've got a twelve and a half thousand meter drill program. Over half of that is is looking at this high grade drill. So I mean that that is absolutely uh, to put that together. And then again on this Canadian Creek project, I mean we're not just trying to say is there a whole bunch more low grade tons over there. We're saying is there a high grade starter project? Now, can you can you turn this into let's say a red Chris? The red Chris, you know, they got in there sub a billion, got it up and running. They've got four for you know I don't know fifty years plus there. But they're going to look at stage developing that. Okay. Do you think this comes turns into a mine anytime soon? I mean, we're we're going to get this. I mean, we did the piece. I mean, the plan is the feasibility so we can get this thing right back into coming. I mean, if you look at projects, even if we stay at the two billion, okay, even if we stay and that, and I think we'll we'll be able to get that. You know, we'll, we'll do some work on that when we get to that ballpark. Then I'm back to the. You know, where is the cost? I mean, then you sort of take the step back and you say, where's the global coffer coming from? And you really look at those upcoming projects. And sure, they're, you know, within the, the Rios and BHPs and that they, they, you know, they have some of these projects you know, in their portfolios, but there's not lots. And so if we have a permitted project in a jurisdiction such as the Yukon that adds up economically, and again, it's timing, so we have to be in a healthy copper environment, which we're now, I mean, I think everyone agrees that the next, you know, few years, and the, the argument is what is few, when we should have a good copper environment, um, you know, that's going to be a pretty exciting prospect. Yeah, okay. But again, just to ask the question, is, you know, do you think this becomes a mine, so which I guess the was actually afterwards. When do you think this becomes a mine? Let's say your conversations go well. Yep. You find a big one of the two big guys says, "Yes, this is top of our list of things to focus on." Um, your feasibility stage. There's a ways to go because it's 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 a huge project. It's a huge project, not just in terms of pounds on the ground, but what you've got to you know control in terms of the data set. So they walk in tomorrow. When does this thing get built out? And you know what kind of relationship is it? And you know how do you benefit economically? Yeah, I mean, we've we've got. Uh, I mean, we're we're likely into permitting and back into permitting. Keep in mind, we've got some of that permitting under our belt right now, so we're back into permitting in uh, the end of twenty twenty one, so the end of next year. Um, and then you probably got three years after that, and you begin construction. So, you know, let's say you're twenty twenty four when we have a fully permitted project, start construction at that point in time, and and, and move forward. Right, so that's the ideal scenario. Okay, that's the ideal scenario. That's the ideal scenario. Okay, cool. Um, well, look, cool. I mean, thanks very much for running through the story. I mean, it, it's it's okay. it's one of the biggest stories we've we've spoken to, and I, I appreciate it's all about timing. You, yeah, you know that as much yeah. as I do. And it, and it's a different animal, and and you know, I mean, you know, we know it's big, we know it's low grade, we know people see this capital cost, and, and their eyes bug out, and and so it's going to be. I mean, I've liked where this conversation has gone, in the fact that you know we understand that we're looking for lower capital cost options. We would love for this thing to come in for, let's say, a billion and change, and then you know, particularly with a new board, it's like you know, let's just go. Somebody shows up at our doorstep and says, "We'd love to be involved. We'd love to buy the asset. Great, but let's just go." You're not desperate, but you want to get going. Brilliant.
Paul, thanks very much for your time today. Um, let Thank us you. know how things move along. Pick up the phone, give us a call, let us know how it's getting, working out, okay? Perfect, will do. Cheers, Paul. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.